So I'm tired. I'm tired, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm 40 years old and I'm exhausted. <laughs> See, 75-year-old men are interesting because they've been in wars and they've had, you know, multiple affairs. You, uh, you haven't had your 20-year high school reunion yet, have you? Have you? Maybe you just come oh, up Yeah, on I did. I'm getting close. Did you guys do your 10? Nah. Yeah, I did my 10 and my 20. So... I found the big difference was, and I'm I'm good with not going back to like a, any others. I, I kind of did my ten, and you're fresh out of, out of school. Everyone's kind of like they're flashing about all the cool shit they just got themselves in debt with. You know, I just got married. I bought this cool car. I did this, and then by twenty, life's kicked a few people in the balls, and the stories were way better. It was like you know, I've been divorced twice. I got a one of my guys I, I went to high school with had a Russian mail order bride because he got divorced and wasn't right. working for him. So he bought himself a bride, bought her, bought her and her mom from Russia. And I was like, these stories are way better at 20. Yeah. And, and it's also, I feel like everybody's a lot more, they're just cool with everybody. Like I kind of felt like all the, all the people that I thought were kind of dicks in high school were like totally chilled out and didn't have anything to kind of front 20 years later you know what yeah, i mean i agree i didn't go to like a prep school or anything it was like you know people were like you know hot shit and doing everything like everybody pretty much sucked so it wasn't like everybody was like well i'm a you know an a and r guy or like you know like nobody was doing anything cool so we've started the episode somewhere in here episode 42 it's uh, at 3k underscore i'm joe here with robo at seattle rams underscore nfl what's up rob hey what's going on it's uh it's nfc west championship it's it's back to back. It's kumbaya. Love is in the air. We were talking. It's a beautiful thing. Is it Christmas or Valentine's Day? Nobody knows. What's up, Joey? L.A. Rams, Rams, Rams on Twitter dial. What's up, Jerk? Hey, what's going on, Jerks? Just over here repping the West. Repping, rising, and grinding. Um, what are you guys doing for Christmas? Do you guys have plans? Do, well, Christmas, I think you know we buy gifts and we give them out and we do a dinner Even. and. Uh, <laughs> then I take lights down when the first day it's not raining after New Year's. That's that's kind of my Christmas tradition. Very classical American. Good on you. Joey, what you got for Christmas? I love Christmas. Ooh. Make a big deal out of it. Oh, you're a Christmas guy. A big Christmas guy. Nice. We just went to a a Christmas tree farm in Santa Clarita, home of the professor. I went there this weekend and did like a little photo shoot, if you will, for our Christmas cards that we had to oh. kind of get all... You are Christmas into Christmas. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'm into Christmas. And so then <clears throat> we had to make like a I mean like a photo book for all the parents, the grandparents and stuff. And then so now it's like advent calendar time. We put the tree up and we don't I don't do any of the weird uh decorations out in the front yard. Like there's not like an inflatable Garfield <laughs> you know, like humping an Odie or anything. I and keep it simple. <laughs> Just the classy, you know, the classy uh, minions. <laughs> or no, I'm just kidding. It's yeah, just like. Do you do you do old school boys? Do you do you do old school like hang lights on the place, or do you do the millennial? Let me just plug the thing in my front yard and have it shine on the you know on the house like a snowflake. Like oh yeah. Crusher. Oh yeah. No, no, no. The projector. No, that's that's for jerks. That's totally for jerks. And if you're listening to this and you did that, you're a jerk. You're a big, huge, dumb jerk. No, just kidding. it's fine. Whatever. You know, to each his own, my friends. <laughs> B- by the way, have you guys heard of or have watched the Kurt Russell 
uh, Netflix Santa movie Christmas that just Chronicle. came out a week ago called The Christmas oh Chronicles. I've seen I've seen Kurt doing like the talk show circuit, but I haven't seen the movie now because it's it's Kurt Russell. It's like tell me it's like it's bad. It's so bad it's good kind of shit. Oh, that's my kind. There's no way it's that bad. You know, I'll I'll give you a little bit of a of a tiny spoiler. At one point, he's in he's in jail, and <laughs> he's sitting there with a bunch of guys, and they're in a jail cell at Santa Claus, and he's arrested, and. Uh, suddenly he just goes hit the lights and everything just kind of goes blue and they all start playing like like blues and like there's like a keyboard and a drum player and a saxophone player and like kurt russell just starts doing an old school like blues jam like it's the blues brothers uh it's it's bad but great at the same time uh uh, potential yeah i mean it's no paddington too but i mean what is robbo santa driving a a, a, like super lifted Four by four, you know, with like, with like a four fifty engine or something, that could be kind of cool. It's a Texas Christmas guy. Right. I'm a Ford three fifty, all lit up with care. Uh, the I will. I'm not, I'm not very into Christmas. I'm not going to say I'm anti Christmas, but I'm I'm probably close. I think the best thing about Christmas for me is the whole once it gets bad, it's good. There's a lot of bad Christmas between the Hallmark channels and the Lifetime channels and the QVC. This is when QVC really steps up their game. I watch a lot of home shopping uh, during this time of year. I think one of the other things I don't like about Christmas is that it's the proverbial end of football. We just had the championship week for college football. We're heading Mm -hmm. towards the end of the NFL season. It's just that Christmas is in that part of winter when winter's still fun, when it's new and it's all fun and snowballs and happiness. And then once you get to like January, it's the existential dread, the nihilism of like winter blight. And everything goes from like white to like that gray, that ugly snow in the parking lot color. Ugh, winter sucks. No, 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 no. See, this is this is where you need to be reborn because a typical Rams fan January is what was me. Shit sucks. We're terrible and it's cold outside and it's dark, but. This is the McVeigh era where there is still life in January and things are still good because our end of the season is like it happened until February this year, unlike the previous 18 years. So it's beautiful. Kumbaya. Everyone rejoice in the new year. And it's 60 degrees. It'll rain twice. December's fine. You know what? Peter Schrager today, I, my least favorite show, Good Morning Football, uh, was on, and he did a little bit about the Rams after they play this next week in Chicago, which, you know, granted Midwest, December, probably cold. They don't have to leave the West Coast. They go to Arizona. They've got California. Then if they take care of business and they get home field advantage, I mean, they won't have to get outside of 70 degree temperatures for the rest of the year. This is their last potential weather game beautiful it's beautiful well i'm not a christmas guy you guys are who's who's a christmas guy on the rams who's the you can't it can't be any of the big stars it's got to be somebody in like the middle of the roster right no andrew whitworth is totally into christmas there's no way he's (laughs) cooper cup there's no way he's not uh cooper cup is into the is it more of a religious christmas guy i'm betting he's uh yeah, I think he's he's goes to he goes to church three times a week during during December just to make sure he's uh, he's on the nice list, right? Who do you think? Maybe, who else? Maybe Johnny Munt. I was going to go with Rob Munt. Havenstein. I could see Rob Havenstein being a guy who like never talks all year, like never says anything. He just like grunts at like plays, uh, uh, and then when Christmas comes, he's like, yeah. <laughs> Chris, Christmas, oh, candy cane. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking it. Some of those young defensive linemen got to be into it, right? Like Tenzel Smart or 
JFM. JFM's a big Christmas sure. dude, right? Rob Havenstein's like, uh, what's that guy from the Goonies? The one that they saved from the dungeon. Oh, uh, Ch- Sloth. Sloth. Rob, go, are you excited for Christmas? Christmas coming! <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Baby Rose. Be play, be play Christmas football. <laughs> I hope that Old AW has like a Christmas party and invites everybody over and he kind of makes them celebrate it and have eggnog and he has a Christmas casserole. Yes. And there's uh, zero doubt he's not into Christmas. I could see Old AW in a Chris, the Santa outfit and uh, and then actually tricking Jared Goff into thinking that it's actually Santa. I know who doesn't celebrate Christmas is LaMarcus Joyner. I don't know. Did you guys see the picture of the secondary celebrating in the locker room? <laughs> yes, I did. I love LaMarcus Joyner. Yeah. He has no room for any joy in his life whatsoever at any time. Um, game time. Interesting game for our Los Angeles Rams coming out of the bye, playing the Detroit Lions. Uh, not the sharpest game, obviously, that we've seen from this group. Uh, nonetheless, they got a 30-16 to 16 win. I think I've typed 30-13 to 13 earlier. 30-16 to 16 was the final score. Um, like I said, relatively ugly affair, especially in the first half. They got things settled out in the second half thanks to a pretty spectacular effort from the best player in football. Here's your notables from the stat line. Jared Goff finishes 17 of 33, 207 yards, one TD, and somehow only one interception. Todd Gurley, 23 carries for 132 yards, <coughs> two touchdowns two actual touchdowns. Robert Woods had five catches, 67, and a touchdown. Brandon Cooks, four for 62. Gurley came out of the backfield, three for 33. Um, defense, John Johnson led the way with 11 tackles, and then obviously Aaron Donald had the two sacks and the five tackles for loss. He was an absolute beast. Detroit, on the other hand, did a good job of limiting Matthew Stafford. He was 20 of 33 for 245, one TD in the pick. Uh, rushing LeGarrette Blunt, 16 for 61. I thought they were going to have more success on the ground. We did a decent job keeping them bottling up. Joey, why don't you start us off, man? Thoughts on the game. Where do we start? Well, I mean, I feel like you covered in the sense that it was uniformly thought of as a messy game. And they still won by a pretty pretty decent margin. I mean, there were moments that you felt like maybe that they were going to bungle this up and they were going to lose. Sure. And it just shows that our expectations for the Rams are so different than how they were a year ago or two years ago. You know what I mean? Like we come out with this kind of bad feeling. It's like, man, they lost, you know, it's like, it feels like they lost, but they won by, they won by 14. And I think, you know, Jared Goff felt like he wanted to throw five picks and the Lions were like, no, we're only going to give you one interception. And Goff was like, no, here, here, here's the ball. Like run it in for a pick six. And it felt like the Lions were like, no, dude, like, we don't want your gifts. And there was that one, I think it was like two plays Back in to a row. Back-to-back plays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and he was just throwing these screen passes that was just really ill-advised. And it felt like, to me, that this um, the bye week played a factor that maybe it's it's, it's hard to, you know, uh, add in all the intangibles of exactly what happened, but they just felt like they were um, not sharp. And especially Jared Goff was um, just kind of, I don't know, just a little bit raw. And I, and I kind of feel like 
you can't use the excuse that it was a cold weather game, even though Detroit was probably cold, that they were cold the whole time they were there. But I think when you're actually in Ford Field, it wasn't cold, right? They were cold going from the bus through the tunnel into the into the stadium. I mean, but, there was but, a nip in the but air. But playing the game, I don't think he – I mean, yeah, I, no. it really made me worry about next week, though. It made me worry. It's like, oh, man, him in Chicago with his, you know, his like tiny cold hands. Like, that could be an issue. His tiny cold hands. <laughs> Tiny cold hands. I feel like just the narrative is a little bit overblown on how bad Jared Goff was. I mean, I think he was awful. But I, th- I think he was awful <laughs> if the Lions would have capitalized on his awfulness, <laughs> but they didn't. <laughs> so he kind of he kind of skated through a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, he 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 could have. He could have he could have had an ugly stat line. I mean, he could have had four picks, you know. But um, it's it's oh. interesting how he still had over two hundred yards. I mean, he still was throwing the ball. And there there's a moment in the game where I kind of felt like it switched, where they couldn't get the run game at the beginning, and then I think the Lions were kind of like, "Hey, this guy, they're just going to keep throwing the ball." And then finally, when they kind of leaned back on Gurley, the game really kind of opened up, and they just jumped on Gurley's back. And I kind of felt like um, it was that expectation of like, well, these guys are so pass heavy. They're just going to keep letting Jared sling the ball into the stands. And finally, you know, they were like, oh, actually, we should we should give it to Don Gurley. And it it felt like that was a a second half decision. Um, So, yeah, I I, I feel like I'm a little bit um, a little bit sort of disappointed in how and how the offense played encouraged and how the defense played but i think they were a little bit um you know maybe soft due to the bye week what do you guys think just just like the jared goff side of it you know he was in a 68.6 rating which was 10 points better than he was in denver denver he had a 58.8 but that was what did he have in oakland right what did he have in week one oakland was a night he was a 97 and the only similarities between i see between those games uh, was his completion percentage Oakland, he was at fifty four point five. Yeah. In uh, Denver, he was fifty even. And then yesterday, or yeah, yesterday he was fifty one point five. Those were his his three lowest. I mean, anything. Those are actually the three. Yeah, by far the three lowest of of the season for him. So, um, you know, he he just looked it looked disjointed. Even when he was completing balls, they were high. You know, guys had to go up and get things and and make plays for him. It wasn't typical golf just you know fitting in a window and, and catching guys in stride and letting them run it just felt felt little it felt like he would he went with old aw to to, to cabo and and partied the entire week it just felt like this is a, a guy that hasn't hasn't been playing football for 10 days which is fair because he hasn't so um you know there's a legitimate like you said legitimate concern going into this next week but that's next week this is this week um you know, as far as the game itself, I I I have to say I was it was it was a little closer than I wanted. It was what a seven point game with two fifty four left. Um, you know they had they had, they had brought it to twenty three sixteen at that point, and then you know the Rams got that that uh, girly touchdown to kind of make the the comfortable fourteen point. Ah, oh, you know we we still won by fourteen, but and really with three minutes to go, it was it was seven, and uh, you know if if it wasn't for Matt Patricia doing some odd things maybe maybe it's not seven maybe it's closer who knows but 
bottom line is they got the win. You have to win ugly in this game. You're not going to, not everything is going to be beautiful and pretty. It's not going to all be Kansas City Monday Night Football where everything's just clicking offensively. And uh, it's a sign of a good team going on the road, playing one of their worst games and still finding a way to win by 14. So I'm going to take it. Yeah, I thought I, I said it before the game because after we had recorded our podcast, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely a trap game. And I think the great thing about the Rams is they're good enough to take a trap game in the, uh, you know, in their faces and come out with a win. And I thought that was pretty much what it was. They did not play well overall. Um, they came out really lethargic. Um, and nonetheless, they were able to uh, figure out a way to put together a pretty ugly win, which is what good teams do when they face some uh, difficult trap games. And I thought that's what this was. What was maybe more interesting was this was, and you see it a lot, obviously, the last 48 hours. This was a game for Aaron Donald to show that as much as people talk about the evolution of Jared Goff and for all the flashiness of Todd Gurley's gameplay, uh, Aaron Donald's a beast, dude. He is quite good. He is. Again, when, did, when does someone sign the biggest contract in the sport and then outperform it? That man... There's, there are no adjectives left to describe how phenomenal this guy is. I mean, it just, what can you say? It's just Aaron Donald. It's like, all right, six multi-sack. Yeah, it's a sack. Six multi-sack game of the year, 16 and a half, uh, what, five QB hits, pressures. They gave double-digit pressures again this week. I mean, ridiculous. Drawing penalty after penalty. They're actually calling penalties because a lot of times he, he has, you know, things where they're not getting called. It's like the old Robert Quinn thing. You can't call it every time. We'll just call it the super flagrant ones. But he just, he dominated. It was, it was Aaron, 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 Aaron Donald's game. It was, it was great. Great. Can, can I ask you a question, guys? Because you guys um, are smarter than my dummy brain. I don't understand why Michael Brockers and Sue are not, not kind of, um, Playing better the than sheet. playing better than expectations. They it, it feels like with all of this attention that Donald is getting on the on with the with the O linemen, why aren't we seeing a, a bigger um, output with these other guys? Did, am, am I missing something? What, what, why is, is Sue just older, or what's what's going on with him? He's definitely the one that's disappointed more than Brockers. Brockers, two things. Number one, Brockers is really slow. But number two, he's not a pass rusher. He doesn't have great pass rush moves. He's really good at at closing down the pocket and collapsing things because he's incredibly strong. But he's not a great pass rusher, and that's not really his game. What's been surprising is Ndamukong Sue, who used to be a very good pass rusher, has not thrived. And um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if he's lost a step. Um but he's definitely not the player that he was coming out of Nebraska in the first couple of years in the league with the Lions. Uh, and it's disappointing, but at the same time, you know, we don't have a lot of long-term equity put into his future. But obviously moving into January, you'd want to have the Indomitian Sue that I thought I think most of us hoped we were getting, and I don't think that's the guy that we've ended up getting in 2018. And here's uh, here's Indomitian uh, Sue's sack totals as as his career has gone. 2010, 10, 2011, 4, then he goes back to 8, 5 and a half, 8.5, 6, 5, 4.5, 3.5 with the Rams. That's, it's, you know, he's kind of popped up. And then since 2014, it's been a slow, steady, steady decline. 8.5, 6, 5, 4.5, 3.5. He might get another one this year and, and equal what he did last year, but it's just, 
like you said, I think he's getting a little older. Maybe he's uh does it have the, that raw power that he had before? He's still a strong dude. Does that maybe it's not have the explosion he had before? He's maybe lost a step, or now he just has to you know, fight through things. Where he was just wasn't over. He wasn't overpowering guys with with power and speed. It's a it's a good question. I was actually we talked about this a couple pods ago. I was I I picked Michael Brockers as my guy who was going to dominate the most because with those other two guys over there drawing so much attention, Michael Brockers should show up big on the stat sheets and, and he just has it. Not so much in sacks. Like you said, he's not really a sack guy, but uh, you know, the run defense, but then again, um, I kind of blame him for, for Corey Littleton and Mark Barron missing, missing tackles. I don't know. I don't know. It's defense as a whole is, is still troubling to me. Still, still better for trouble. Yeah. And the thing is down the stretch, we don't get a ton. That's probably going to challenge us on the offensive front. Cause you got Chicago, obviously this week. And then, uh, you come back home and start getting ready for the the stretch run, and it's not like we're facing terribly impressive offenses in Philly, Arizona, and San Francisco the last three games. So pretty much this Bears game is the last real full tune-up for the defense heading into the playoff. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's – and plus a bye. So you, you figure you have these, these those last three, then you have a bye, and then yeah. you're going to get a good team. And so – they better be ready because they're going to get hit in the mouth with it. I was just going to say, going back to that, uh, just Aaron Donald's performance, I was curious if you guys thought that that sort of strip sack play that we keep seeing when he was in double coverage and he split the defenders and he, you know, he just, uh, you know, really just, just, just violently attacked Matthew Stafford. That feels like the, the definitive play of the season. Or even if you just maybe his career, if you just wanted to show like what can Errol Donald do, and you have one play, totally. I feel like that is. I know Joe doesn't love this, you know, the sack, but that is such a just really impressive uh, visual. Like it was just so fun to watch, and I think that's 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 really kind of um, doesn't happen a lot with defensive players where it just felt like it was a wrestling move, but. Going with that, it feels like one thing that he can get himself in trouble with, and they talked about it a little bit on the telecast, is that he has that move when he does a sack that's essentially a gentle body slam that he kind of is <laughs> about to body slam and then he kind of like releases and just lets the, the, the quarterback just kind of drop. And I want like a fling. Yeah. And it looks really cool and there's a sort of finesse to it. But I'm curious if he's going to get some penalties on that because there seems – to be a level of unnecessary roughness to it that they were kind of talking about it di- during the game on Sunday. And I was curious if that's, if that's a, like a flare move that he does. It's kind of like, he doesn't need to do it or, it, or is he just trying to be safe? Is he trying to be like, I want to throw this guy on the ground, but then he kind of lets go and just lets him fall. It's, it's, it's interesting. I thought someone, I thought someone asked him about that earlier because I thought it was more of a safe thing. You know, I don't want to get my body on him and get that penalty, so I'm just going to throw him to the ground and let their own let let the let the ground and their own weight do the do the. Damage. I think Aaron Donald has finishing moves. I think like he's he and he needs to name him. He yeah, he needs to name him like a wrestler, like the Pittsburgh Pancake or stuff like that. He needs to get names for his. Fit. I was thinking that one's more like an El Matador, right? He's like flinging the cape, and he just yeah. like flips him to the ground. He just stands. He's standing above his vanquished foe. Totally. I like it. He's very good. I, I th- the, the thing that was great <laughs> about the, uh, that play that you mentioned, the signature play, Joey, was that number one, he had a double team, which 
it's I I I don't want to get silly, but at some point you probably got to start thinking about finding ways to triple team him. I I, I, I put it like this: double team and have a back ready to chip him as well. Yeah. I right. wouldn't be surprised if we see it more frequently, especially in it, when we get to the playoffs, because those games matter too much. Think of, if you're an opposing offense and you're playing Aaron Donald in the playoffs, you can't let him beat you. You got to figure out. You got to find a way to make, make Michael Brockers right be the guy to beat you. You can't let Aaron Donald do it. Um, so that the double team beating the double team was one. Number two, it was the speed to get by the first guy, the power to get by the second guy. But easily the best part, number three was that nasty plunge that he takes at Matt Stafford to get rid of the ball. It was he 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 had the ability to jump like like almost like a leapfrog or like a like a, in those old uh, crappy Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire where he did the the CGI spring forward jump. I I don't there's not a lot of guys his shape that can do that, man. The the Rams photographer has a great shot of that that nasty plunge. I don't know if you've seen it. Stafford's looking downfield, and they have a shot of him like completely supermaned out, both arms there. It's it's a great, it's a great shot. If you haven't seen it, it's it's amazing. I just never, I I don't think I've ever seen anybody finish a play like that. That's how that's how you block a field goal. That's not how you rush that's, a quarterback. Yeah. That's that's when you like you hit the hold the right right button down yeah. the the thumbstick and you slap that X button as many times as you can because the finishing move. You got to come and finish it. So, I love Aaron Donald. Do you know who's going to benefit from Aaron Donald and who might be starting to do that? How about Mr. Fowler, Fowler Jr.? He had a pretty good game. Showed up on the run game. He had three tackles for loss. He had a sack as well. He just, he really, he's, I'm not sure what the cost is going to be, but I, I would not be opposed to re-signing that guy from what I've seen so far. You know, we got to see what's going to happen through the playoffs in this next couple, couple of games, but he's shown to be what they thought he was when they, when they traded for him. He was what we thought he was. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the speaking of, of who we thought was, um, can we, can we talk about the Todd Gurley play at the, uh, near the end of the game when he was running into the end zone, but then went, um, there was a lot of chat about this, took, yes. took a right turn. And it was, it was, we've talked about his, his play, um, several weeks ago that was similar to us, but this was much more um, like this was a Tecmo Bowl move where, you know, it, 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 it was, it was, it was definitely a, um, it, you know, it was a tactical strategic play that, that felt like he just didn't fall down. I mean, he was, he was, he was running around the field. Um, I, I mean, I, is it the same as it was the last time he did it or, or was there a different context to this one for you? There was different context because there's so much more time left. The last time he did it, it was you know just a few seconds. All they needed is a kneel down, and the game was going to be over after that. And this one, this one was you know two two and a half minutes left in the game or so, right? And he, it was before the before the two minute warning. So I definitely and they still had timeouts. So I, I definitely think there was different context. Uh, I was in favor of it, and one of our staff writers, Wags, was not. What, how about you, Joe? What do you think of this? It's one of those things where it's a win-win, right? I mean, if you score the touchdown, you go up by two touchdowns with two and a half minutes. The way that they played it out forced them to use their final timeout in front of the two-minute warning, and then obviously we were able to punch it in. So I think I think it's it's the opposite of one of my favorite things that people used to talk about was especially in the Jeff Fisher years because we dealt with it so much. Is you know you'd get to like third and twelve and run the ball. And people would lament the play call. And I talk about, well, there's nothing wrong with the play call. 
They say, well, what would you rather do? And the answer is, I'd rather not be third and 12. So the, the, the answer in terms of, you know, w- would you rather score the touchdown or do what Todd Gurley did? I'd rather be up a touchdown with two and a half minutes left. And it was, it was just kind of a good win-win situation for the Rams to be in that I didn't really feel one way or the other all that passionate. Although I suppose, if we're being honest, if you got Todd Gurley on your fantasy team and you're down a couple points, and you see him turn right at the end zone. I got. Oh. I got to think you're going full anger right there. Yeah, there was there was shit being thrown and cussed at across America. Across America, people were pissed off about that. And then they're like, "Oh, he got it for me, anyways." Okay, you're okay, Todd. Yeah, no, they you. still got. I do like the idea of Todd Gurley just trolling the shit out of fantasy owners, especially next year. I kind of want him to do it a bunch next year. Like after this year, especially if we can win the Super Bowl or see what happens in the postseason, I kind of want him to go down at the one yard line every time. At the one constant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my fantasy owners 30 touchdowns this year, but next year, you aren't getting shit. Right. I'm going to give them all to Malcolm Brown. Malcolm, come in. I'm going to tap out on the one. Malcolm, come in. Get, me, get these touchdowns. That's, that's, paid, that's right? an interesting name to throw out there is Malcolm Brown because uh, Brown got injured on the day, injured his shoulder. He's going to miss some time. Um, yeah. uh, Sean McVay said today it was similar to the injury that Robert Woods had last year where I think he missed three games. So Brown's going to miss some time. And what was interesting about this game was Brown was the only other running back on the roster besides Todd Gurley, which means that McVay's going to have to make some kind of a decision between uh, John, John Kelly and Justin Kelly. Davis moving forward, even if the whispers of John Kelly are blowing in. John Kelly. Is that also going to make an impact maybe on JoJo Natson and Farrell Cooper? How so? Well, maybe we'll make one of those guys inactive because we need to have another back active, like just an extra body on game day. Who's, who's the guy that sits? I guess... I guess you take Malcolm's spot, so it's not going to really matter. Right. Or last week, Nick Williams was active, and he's been inactive a bunch in the last couple weeks. Uh, He was somebody that was active. Let's see. You had Matt Longacre was active again. Um, Tanzel Smart was back out. Trevin Young, but he's gone. So we'll have to see. Uh, I don't know. But obviously, you can't just have Todd Gurley as your only running back. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I heard that, Joey. John Kelly. I heard that. Um, he wants to skateboarder out there. He needs he needs Spicoli out there. He wants. To it does. Spicoli it does sound like, and obviously, this is Christmas season when we're getting all the co- uh, cologne and perfume commercials. It sounds like the new the new cologne, and I know Professor's got his Rams cologne that he'll never let go. But somewhere between obsession and the end zone, John Kelly. <laughs> John Kelly. When your best is not good enough, John Johnny Kelly. Depp in the yeah. desert somewhere. I never found myself until I knew that I had to in order to begin looking. John Kelly. John Kelly. John Kelly. <laughs> John Kelly sounds like a steakhouse, doesn't he? Yeah. Come on, come on down, down come on down to John Kelly and get that jacket potato and, and and we'll we'll fix you up some some steaks. I'm sure Joe, you can you can speak to the, the steakhouse lingo in there in Texas. But John Kelly sounds like a like a steakhouse in in the shitty like a shitty strip mall in America somewhere. Like they're trying to make it sound nice, but it's it's really just a shitty steakhouse. <laughs> I know. I know what doesn't sound. What doesn't sound like a cologne is Rob Havenstein. That is not anybody's name for a cologne or um, a keeb to leave. Does Rob Havenstein have trouble saying his own last name? Does he like <laughs> Rob, Rob Havers? <laughs> Rob Hab- Hagen. <laughs> My name's long. <laughs> My name's long. <laughs> just makes a big. He just crosses a little X on the line because he can't. Write his name, just Mongo, just gonna smash. Havenstein, he—that's what he is. He's got that old Mongo feel to him. 
Your shirt's on backwards and upside down. How do you even do that? How did you get the neck around your waist? Uh, shirts go down. <laughs> <laughs> Buttons are hard. Did you did you catch the the bit on the game where they mentioned his name about his uh, penalty streak? He has not had a flag called all year that was accepted. They would have had one, but because you know Detroit wanted to have offsetting penalties with the uh, diving into Goff's knee. He's not. He was not credited with a flag, so he still has not had a flag called on him all year. I love Big Rob. I've loved him since Wisconsin, and I know we're doing the we're doing this joke thing like he's dumb. I have no idea. He could be. He might be the most intelligent guy on the team. I hope he is, and it makes the joke even better. But yeah, yeah I love Rob. That's nice. Um, yeah, Akib Talib. He's back. Uh, obviously on a snap count. Didn't play late. Uh, thoughts on the big man in the back? What do you guys think? Uh, did didn't the defense just feel different? It just felt like. I know that he's not really kind of be a factor in run defense, and that's where they were stronger this week. But the defense kind of felt like it was the first couple of weeks, which you just felt like there was confidence, and just it, especially at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, I like this. This is." They don't feel like the sieve where they're just giving up yards, and you know, the, the, it didn't feel like the Lions could do whatever the hell they wanted. And no, well, well, <laughs> well. <laughs> There was one gentleman who had 90 yards receiving, and I think up up until this point, he had about 16. Another tight end is just yes. abusing poor Corey Littleton and, and, and John and, Johnson. And that's an issue, and I'm not and I'm not saying that Akeem Talib is going to fix all of the issues, and that's one of the nope. uh, that's the one of the Achilles heels of of the defense. Achilles right now heels, is, is hey pun. That, <laughs> hey, I'll be oh. here all week. No, that. These these big these big tight ends can just overpower our linebackers who just seem kind of on the smaller side. Sure. And I and I feel like the the one issue that the defense has right now is they don't have size. They they, they don't have these bruiser linebackers. There's no Brian Erlacher that's just gonna kind of punch a guy into the turf. And I, I, I again, that's just that's just a characteristic of our defense. But Back to just the, the corners, I think having him out there um, is 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 a just a a, a legit improvement. And you no, know, it's not going to make our linebackers bigger, but it is going to make uh, the games a little bit. Um, I don't know. It just it's I'm going to take less tums watching the game. That's all. Yeah, uh, Marcus Peters looked better, but the flip side is that was that because this is a team without. Uh, Marvin Jones sure. and Golden Tate, or is it just because yep. Akeem Tlaib was back, and hopefully this is what we have going forward? I'm going to hope it's the latter, but yep, I it could be the the, the former. And they also didn't have the running back carry on carry on Johnson. I mean, there was there's no doubt one of this game they were playing a wounded wounded beast. Who let's give them credit defensively, they played pretty darn well. Uh, you, you can't take anything away from the way the Lions played defensively in this game. I thought they played. Better than expected. So tip tip your hat to those guys. Offensively, they were they were definitely hampered and uh, and and behind. So uh, yeah. What were you going to say, Joey? I was I was I was curious about, uh, especially in that play, the play where they um, they got to the tight end in the middle, and it just was right. this huge open space, and it felt like. It was something to do with uh, the coverage with Corey Littleton and John Johnson. And I was curious about John Johnson III because there's a lot of times we give him all this 
this praise that, you know, wow, he's a steal in the draft and uh, he's so amazing. And, you know, we just, we love John Johnson the third. But sometimes he feels a little slow out there. Sometimes he makes angles that make me a little bit like, oh, is okay. Well, he's a second year guy that isn't a, you know, he's not a first round pick and he plays like it sometimes. And I was curious if I'm just overreacting and he's actually, he's, I'm just being unfair to him. I was curious of what you guys thought about my criticisms of John Johnson the third. He had 11, team high 11 tackles. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like that, that specific play, it looks like if you watch it, either Corey Littleton is doing a Marcus Peters where he's just watching Stafford's eyes because he, he carries him for about 10 yards and then lets him go and, you know, just, you know, wide open. There's nobody there on the top end. So it was either blown coverage or, or Littleton just dropped it. I don't, I'm not sure which one is. I, I don't know, but he's, you know, he's, yeah, I have a hard time. Complain about John Johnson because I complained so much about LeBron joining this year. I can't complain about them both. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair so enough. I'm say I like John, but I, I get I get what you're saying. There's there's a there's an obvious issue on no matter who it is. If it's John Johnson, if it's Joiner, if it's Littleton, if it's Barron, it's one of those four uh, and tight ends. This it's they have been murdered week in and week out by the tight end, and not even good tight ends. Uh, tight ends by the name of Jared Cook. Julio, yeah. John Kelly. <laughs> they said I had to cover a tight end, but the tight end was me, John Kelly. What's JJ three doing for you, Joe? Is he is he John Kelly or is he is he less? I, well, I think there's there's something mercurial about this defense where it's re- it's kind of what you d- were alluding to. There's a whack a mole sense of this where. One week it's Marcus Peters, one week it's Corey Littleton, one week it's Marcus Joyner, one week it's John Johnson, one week it's Michael Brockers, one week it's Indomitian Sue, and kind of over the course of the season, it's a little bit from everybody where there's this inconsistency, and I wonder how much of it is teams finding out buttons to push week to week, and you know some of it's working, obviously, the Rams. Sosa had that piece where he's talking about the idea that, that if you look at this historically, no, it's not a great defense, but in the course of the 2018 NFL season, this isn't one of the NFL's lesser defenses, uh, and they held the Lions to just 16 points, and the, you know, collectively, I think their strength is greater than a lot of the criticism that we give these guys individually. And I think part of what's going on is they're finding a way to minimize the overwhelming negative impacts of some of these guys week to week. Um, you know, we, we go back a couple of weeks when we were talking about Marcus Peters and everybody's freaking out about him. I think there's a good chance for him to rebound and play some good football down the stretch and kind of make people make us all kind of rethink what was going on in that stretch. And I think that's the case for a lot of these guys and especially for John Johnson, where, you know, he had this game where he was all over the field making tackles, but it was clear that they were kind of pegging him as the guy, one of the guys they wanted to go after. Um, and, and you wonder why that is, because whether it's Corey Littleton or whether it's Marcus Peters, they've had uh, guys that the Rams have uh, shown to be a little bit of a, a weak link against some other offenses. So I don't really know. I don't have a good sense of why John Johnson and LaMarcus Joyner seemingly have uh, maybe taken a step back or why these guys like M- Michael Brockers and Ndamukong Sue haven't really stepped up. I think it's just one of those things where football is complex, man. And it, for, for a team like this, where obviously at 11-1, and one, Teams are struggling to find a ways to really pull the Rams down. I think it's just really hard to figure out one narrative for the defense or the offense over the course of the season that holds for every individual in their performance. So 
I don't know. It's one of those things that's confounding, but uh, I definitely like the idea of John Johnson continuing to be able to contribute, even if we lose LaMarcus Joyner this next season. I like the idea of John Johnson being around for a couple more years for Wade Phillips to continue to mold him. Plus, I love his name. As a whole, they held an NFL team to one offensive touchdown, and that was a backup offensive tackle. So they had to trick play it, right? And two field goals. So, you know, it's it's again, it's nitpicking. It's 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 it could be worse. They could have they could have we mentioned before they could have coughed up twenty twenty eight or thirty to a crap team and lost, and they didn't. So hats off. Well, you bring up a good point. You you bring up a good point because I mean, by the way, we're talking, and by the way, you hear about it in our Slack channel and on Twitter. I mean. We're what like we got seven wins, right. yeah, and yeah, five losses, right? right. right, right. Yeah. I mean, we're we're on the outside looking in, right? We're uh, we're we're, we're really struggling to to make this season a, a positive, or are we eleven and one? Right. After two years of Sean McVay going twenty-two yep. and six or something like that, and now just expect every game to be perfect. It should be kumbaya. That's probably more realistic. We scored 30 points. How many times did we score 30 points under Jeff Fisher? I think we scored 30 points one year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. D- d- does this performance, this this whole game in Detroit, how does it make you feel going into the Sunday night football game against the Chicago Bears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay with it because it felt trap gamey to me. And the whole point of a trap game is that you're, you've kind of got some of your focus on the next week and that you're you're not really all in. And it certainly felt... That way going in, it certainly felt that way, the way they played. And I know everybody's going to say the right thing, but just in terms of how the game set up, I thought this was a tramp game, and I thought the Rams passed that challenge, and I think the challenge next week is markedly different. What do you what do you think, Robbo? Was this a trap game and they passed it, or was this yeah. something different and they kind of got shot in the mouth? No, no, no. Total trap game, and they passed it. You know, Again, they won. They won the game. Yeah. They played like crap, and they won by two touchdowns. So... You know, if if they played their best against the Lions, it's it's what we thought in the preview series when I thought you know uh, Sean Mannion would be taking snaps. He didn't. So you know, if they don't play their best and they still win, I'm okay with that. It's all it's all about what the professor said, right? I don't care if you win by just win by a point. It's about the W. And at this point, play like crap and get the W. I'm okay with that. Just let's get back to what we need to do against a better team, so you're more focused, whatever. And we're gonna move forward. I'm 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 cool with it. I'm okay. And then look at look at the rest of the league. The Bears, who'd they lose to this week? And now I get their quarterback was out, and that's a different story, but um they still could have won against a terrible Giants team and they didn't. And the Saints had as much as the Rams had to play for this week, and they lost to the Cowboys. A, a team sure. that should probably beat nine times out of ten. This was the one they didn't. Uh every good team in the league is gonna have weeks where they don't play their best. The Rams were able to not play their best and still win. So I'm good. Because they're repping the West, Robbo. They're repping the West. Rep, the Giants the didn't West. score 30 points repping because Matt, Mitch Trubisky didn't play. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, game balls. That's, well, Alec Ogletree basically did us a favor. Oh, oh, I like the idea of giving oh, Ogletree Alec. a game ball. I like that. Yeah, well, Alec. Who's your game ball go to, Joey? You know, I'm going to give it to, and I, I'm being a little contrarian because obviously we got to give the ball to. Ooh, I like me like you, you know, to Aaron Donald or to Todd Gurley, but I'm going to give my game ball to Robert Woods. And I just really oh, Bobby love, Woods. I, I, I just love how he's used in the offense. I mean, he's just old faithful. I mean, he has 
I mean, you know, Rob, you talk about contracts. You talk about how Aaron Donald is 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 playing better than his contract, and yeah. I know it's smaller stakes with what Robert Woods is being paid, but the man is living up to his contract and then some. And it's just really great to see a guy who he's just expected to be the number two receiver. And he's playing like that, and he keeps playing like a number one. And that's exactly what you want in a receiver, that he is just always there. And whenever that the offense can't get can't get moving and things aren't working and they got third and long, it always feels like Goff is throwing to Robert Woods for 13 yards. And I just love to see it. And whenever you forget about him, you're just like, oh, there's a touchdown pass to Robert Woods. I mean, the guy is just sneaky good, and he's – not the flashiest player, but he can block and he just I thought he just had a really solid game and he just does it game in and game out and um he has my game ball. He might be my favorite Rams player not named Cooper Cup. I love Robert Woods. I'm right there with you. He signed a five year, thirty four million, five years. They have him for how many more years after this? One, two, three. three. They still have him for three more years at you know, six, seven, and then a nine million dollar hit. That's uh, that's phenomenal. Yes, I'm with you. I like Bobby Woods. Did you have an actual game ball for this one besides Alec Ogletree, Robbo? Do I? Um, I would have to go. Well, I would give one to Johnny Hecker for taking a field goal snap, putting it down, and pointing to a guy running up the field, which was would just so Hecker. Um, but it would be Dante Fowler Jr. I thought he really played pretty well. Um. Just yeah, he he's provided that edge spark that we've needed. You know, he's pressured off the edge, getting guys to step up. He's playing the run better than I thought he would. Uh, so I'd go Dante Fowler Jr. I thought he's I thought he played really really well. I liked liked what I saw from the from the man. I'm gonna give 23 game balls to Aaron Donald, and I'll give one to Rob Havenstein because he doesn't know what a game ball is. Um, <laughs> oh, what's this, fellas? This 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 is ball for game. This is not ball for keep. Uh, <laughs> game we play game now. Ooh. Um, interesting times. <laughs> interesting times ahead. Here's a question for you guys. We got the Bears on the road, Eagles at home, Arizona in Phoenix, and then the Week 17 backup rematch. Well, interesting narrative coming against the Niners Week 17. How many of those games are the Rams going to lose? Zero. Maybe. What do you think, Joe? I think they're going to lose to the Bears next week. I mm. really have a bad mm. feeling about this game, and Ouch. I, I don't, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to call it because I don't want to incur the wrath of the of the professor because he gets so <laughs> angry when people we gotta have him, don't pick we gotta the Rams have him to on, win. He's got to come on Thursday for the preview episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial him up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm in the Steph predictions. I'm just going to predict the Rams to win because I don't want to deal with this bullshit. But you know, <laughs> just between me and you, and no one else is listening, uh, which is probably the case. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like the weather, uh, as the already mentioned, uh, tiny cold hands of Jared Goff, and the stout defense of the Bears. I feel like. Unless Todd Gurley just puts the whole team on his back, I just feel like we might miss out on a win. I think we're going to win the other games, though. So, Cleo Mack and Eric Donald in the same game 
when it actually means something. That should be that should be pretty fun. It should be fun. For reference, the New Orleans Saints, who are now ten and two, thanks to the Thursday night loss to the Dallas Cowboys, who are a game behind, obviously the Rams in the standings, at Tampa Bay, at Carolina, home against Pittsburgh, home against Carolina. So let's hope Cam Newton got those four interceptions out of his system. I don't know if anybody saw that. That was not a pre- for a team that we uh, my need. My wife watched every moment up. of the game. Garble, garble, garble. I'm watching the Rams on the TV, and she's sitting next to me on the iPad with Sunday Ticket, my Sunday Ticket account, watching her Panthers, and she's complaining all damn game. Uh, <laughs> so I understand he played poorly. They are five and one at home, and one and five on the road. That would seem to be a thing. Who's the one they lost to at home? Let me look because I don't know. I, 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 I can tell won. you, Seattle Seahawks last week. It Seattle won. beat them. 30 to 27 as part of this four game losing streak. We need Carolina to turn it around and give us a one game edge on New Orleans. I'm going to go with a loss. I think they're either going to get a trappy loss somewhere in, I don't know if you can call the Eagles trappy. I know they've had a bad year and obviously didn't have the season Philadelphia fans were hoping for or Arizona. Or let's be honest, week 17 sitting the starters again. I, I really think there is a odd universe parallel. We got the into the Spidey verse coming out soon. This is into the McVay verse of all the McVay universes there are. In every single one, he sits as starters in Week 17. Do they sit the starters? Starters if they don't have number one locked up? No. I kind of hope win. he does just to be like super. Just to woke. be Joe McVay. Galaxy mind. <laughs> That's okay. We don't need home field advantage. We'll just sit everyone. It's the preseason. Who needs to play? We'll come out great. I will say this, and we saw it, uh, it was Buffalo, wasn't it, with uh, LaShawn McCoy, I think, last year? Injuries in Week 17 are just heartbreakers, and you see them every year. Let us begin praying now. Um, yeah, before we get to college, any final thoughts on uh, Week 13 stuff ahead, boys? Uh, are we doing a preview show, or are we just God doing Kelly. I think we have one to. This week? We got to do, we gotta do yeah. some Chicago talk at the end of the week. All right, so... I don't have to go deep on Chicago tonight then. Um, other than other than uh, what we have coming up, the biggest concern for me this week is I find out in tomorrow if the NFL will flex the Eagles game out of Sunday Night Football because they had the Rams playing back-to-back weeks, That's right. which is not attractive. But the Eagles did win tonight, which sets them up for a, you know going into it. They have a, a, a showdown with Big Dallas next week, um, but the NFL rules stipulate they have to make this choice 12 days before the game. So it's coming up, I think, on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, something like that, uh, that they'll have to make this choice. And if they lost, they were certainly going to flex it out. And there's a game that they could flex in, which would be uh, New England and Pittsburgh, which is probably a more attractive matchup. So since I'm flying in for that game, I'm hoping they're not switching it because I don't have to change my flights. So we'll see. That's what I'm worried about this week is if they'll be flexing us out of prime time. I am just really... Not looking forward to another poor showing by my my boy Jared Goff. So I'm hoping that my uh, my concern is ill advised, and that he ends up um, proving me wrong. And uh, you know, his he's he's not phased by the cold of Chicago, and he and he plays a great game. But I'm um I'm kind of thinking right now that I'm always I'm already just assuming that he's going to have a worse game than he had this bruh, past week. Bruh, don't worry, don't worry about it, bruh. Because I got Higgs, he's freezing the guac bowls, brah. And I'm going to be throwing them frozen guac bowls all week guac, to my boy guac, Higgs. Don't worry guac, about it, brah. Guac, 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 guac,
Do they have guacamole in Chicago? No. (laughs) Guacamole in Chicago is just mayonnaise. (laughs) That's gone bad. It's green, right? Exactly. Try try some of this fancy Mexican guacamole. Sir, (laughs) that is an egg. (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's actually transmission fluid. You can have so, or everything is sausage. Try this guacamole. Uh, that's a kielbasa. How about our Cobb salad? That's also a sausage. <laughs> we have soup. That's just a sausage and water. I, I do I do enjoy the brats and they brats, kill brats, it over brats, there. Brats, 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 this was the first week, and it, it hit me. It hit me hard on Saturday that it's coming to an end. I felt, I felt what we were talking about with the weather that 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 January feeling. I don't know if you get it <clears throat> in Seattle, but there were certain times when I would get it in DC, Rob, where I would look out the window at work, and I would look out into this dreary landscape, and I would ask myself why time doesn't just stop for all of us sometimes. And I would look at the sky, and it was the same color as plaster, and I would look at the hardness of the wind. And I would wonder why it was there for me to breathe. That's wanna, what I felt this you week. You want to know if, if me, if me living in Seattle, if this, if I ever look out at the weather and wonder if time won't stop when it's looking at. Plastic? Isn't Seattle because like a beach town? Don't y'all have like beautiful weather and stuff? We have beautiful weather that's surrounded by, uh, we're like a lioness. It's surrounded by a cloud and it rains on us a lot. Not today, I felt it. I felt, yeah. I felt the depression. I felt the yeah. depression of the end of college football upon us championship week but it was it was that sense of you know there's your child all grown up and it's all beautiful and you have to get ready to say goodbye it was great um i watched gosh which games didn't i watch i didn't watch well, can, can we talk about the big one joe can we talk sure about Alab- alabama georgia because oh i thought you meant fresno I, boise but sure we can talk about i thought you meant georgia. ew Nichols. But hey. okay you guys in your and your made-up games <laughs> <laughs> your fake schools um, here's what I will tell you that you can enjoy about this game. You had a team that was ranked fourth in the country that was sniffing its entry into the college playoff that decided to call a fake punt on fourth and 11. Now that is college football. Yeah, that's cool. Jeff Fisher taking over for the Georgia Bulldogs. Just chop that up into a fine powder and hammer it up your nasal passages. That is pure, uncut, raw college football. Yeah. How does Rob Havenstein pronounce Gonzaga? Gordzy. <laughs> I think he pronounces it John Kelly. John Kelly. John Kelly. We need to make like a John Kelly like commercial of like the beaches, Santa Monica and stuff, and make it all black and white. Have the wind blow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like who runs in the night? Like a player that's not on the team. John Kelly. I was running and running and running, and I didn't know from what until I looked behind me and saw myself. John Kelly. (laughs) Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. 
It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.